Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining another episode of Startup Sales. Today, we're going to be speaking with Eric Nado. His company it has 29 SDRs, and they're working about almost 95% outbound, and they're ramping up to hire an additional 12 SDRs. He's going to share with us how to find prospects for outbound, what is a good SDR to AE uh, ratio, what to look for when hiring an SDR, and how to train them and also how to build and keep a good sales culture. And join us next week when we speak to Benjamin Dennehy, the world's most hated sales trainer. Yes, you heard that right. World's most hated sales trainer. He's going to be speaking about the root cause of all the problems in your sales pipeline. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Eric, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you very much, Adam. Pretty excited to do this with you. So let's start with a, a quick background about yourself uh, and your experience. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Where do I begin? Uh, coming out of school, you know, people always said to me, hey, you seem somewhat charismatic. You seem like you can get along pretty well uh, with people. So, you know, why don't you go out and try selling some stuff? And I've, I've always admired how lucrative sales can be and, um, you know, the human element of actually communi communicating with people and making a sale and closing a deal and how hard you work is, you know, what potentially you can get out of it. Um, but over the years, I've learned that there's, there's a few more elements that go into it than that. And it's, it's all about finding the right opportunity and a product that you believe in um, that's really going to make or break your success. So for me, um, I started out selling a few things that maybe I, I didn't feel as connected to as a product like I'm selling today. Um, but I'm happy that I found tech sales, um, let's see, an honest way to approach sales and something that really can help companies and individuals within those companies. Absolutely. I think it's what you said about having something that you could stand behind uh, is, is key for success for a salesperson. Yeah, 100%. Great. So why don't you tell me what uh, the elevator pitch for Ops Genie? Okay, sure. So what Ops Genie does, they're a modern incident management platform to help operate always on services. And we really feel like we're empowering dev and ops teams to plan for service disruptions and stay in control when something might go wrong within the IT department. Great. Okay. So it, it kind of, uh, is a, an alerting mechanism uh, on a very high level, alerting mechanism. So if something goes wrong on your, uh, your structure, that it uh, will alert you guys. Right. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So your SDR team, yeah. uh, are you guys primarily focused on inbound or outbound? Uh, good question. And we recently brought on a new VP of marketing. I'm super excited for him to ramp things up, but the team right now, I would say 
is probably 95% outbound. So we're doing a lot of calls, a lot of cold emails. And, you know, that brings, that brings a few challenges. But as marketing continues to ramp up, the company continues to grow. We get a little more brand recognition out there. And that, that, all of that stuff is, is starting to happen. And we're seeing the benefits of it. Um, you know, maybe that, that percentage might switch a little bit. Yeah. That's interesting. So if it's 95% outbound, are you reporting to sales or reporting to marketing? Uh, reporting to sales. Okay. Interesting. And will, will that change or have an effect when uh, inbound co- starts coming in? Um, for myself, I consider myself a sales guy. And the organizations where I reported up through sales, I found us to be the most successful because it adds an element of checks and balances of what the marketing team is sending over to we're kind of uh, verifying the quality of all that and giving feedback to the teams to the marketing team so maybe they can make some tweaks on their ends um so i I don't foresee that changing anytime soon interesting okay so let's let's cover inbound real quick as it's only about five percent now sure Do you have any statistics as to what the average amount of calls or messages are be, before able to uh, send it off to sales? Um, in terms of how many touches that we're putting into a prospect? Exactly. That is a difficult stat. Now, we do use some industry best practices where we have a series of emails and phone calls that go out over about a 10-day period of time. Uh, and I believe it's about six emails and five or six calls. But if you feel like you really have the right person and you get into that conversation, he has a really good title. I definitely encourage the team to do more than that and then step outside of the, the emails that we have provided them with and write something very tailored and personalized to get their attention a little better. Um, so I think as a broad stroke, about 10 days, maybe 10 to 12 touches. Um, but beyond that, we will get will get more uh, customized with the right, right individual. Interesting. Okay. And what tools are you using to, uh, to keep track of those touches? Um, so the tool that we're using here is called Outreach. And mm. we're actually using HubSpot as our CRM. And we had to build out an API integration with Outreach. Um, so all of their calls, all their emails are, are going on through that particular tool. Interesting. And is it the same tool that you're using for outbound? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. So, so they're both, I've been talking about outbound this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that's That's okay. okay. That's, that's pretty much my world. Um, but when we do get inbound leads, we flow them through the same, same type of tools. It's just a, a slightly different series of emails and maybe messaging. Okay. All right. So the, the outbound, uh, campaign is a 10 day campaign. Yes. Yep. Okay. Now, have you ever gotten bad responses from that saying like, Hey, you guys are too aggressive on, you know, I don't know you. Why are you, why are you emailing me six days within 10, six emails within 10 days? Yeah, of course those are going to come up. And when you think about the thousands of different people that we're reaching out to, they're coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. Sometimes you're catching somebody on a bad day and they're looking to you know, they're looking to take it out on somebody. So I don't take that thing, uh, that type of response personally. And I encourage my key, my team to do the same. Um, and that's what I really chalk it up to because for the most part, if I'm receiving a cold email and it's something I am interested in, I'm almost expecting them to reach out two or three more times before 
you know, I, I need to know that I got to get back to him. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what is your average uh, success rate with these? In terms of booking a meeting to how many calls we're putting in or? Exactly. Um, that varies widely between each individual, each SDR. Um, but if, if we're talking number of dials to actually a good conversation with the right individual that has a few problems we can help them with, I'd have to say it's up around 150 calls before we have a good call like that. Interesting. Mm. And how many, about how many calls are, are your team doing a day? So on any given day, we have a benchmark of about a hundred dials. Now, if they're having some good conversations and they're booking some meetings, they're doing a couple follow-up calls. I'm okay with them doing a, l- a little less than a hundred, but with outreach, what I've seen is they can easily do 150. Sometimes they hit 200 dials in a day. Um, so hundred is what I want to give you for an answer, but a lot of people are doing more than that. Um, yeah. With that being said, we have a few people that, are very strong on the phone, have really good conversations, are good at building rapports. And then we have good building rapport, I should say. And then we have other people that are, you know, really good with LinkedIn messaging and connecting with people that way. So um, I encourage them to play to their strong, their strong suits, their strong, um, uh, where they're talented. Um, so some people might lean to doing more dials. Some people might kind of stay in the average area. So if that's the case, uh, I really, <clears throat> I strongly believe the same as you do is the salesperson should go where they're strong with. It should be natural for them. Right. But the problem with that is, is how do you scale that? Right. So that's a good question. And when it comes to scaling what you're going to put in as metrics to judge the team by, you know, that's when an element of results comes into play. So, hey, if somebody's doing 90 dials on average, yeah, that's a little below average. Or if, if you're hitting your, your weekly meeting goal, if you're hitting your monthly what we, opportunity goal, so you know an actual meeting that results in somebody that's going to be sold to by the sales team, I'm okay with that. And that, that's where the one-on-one feedback comes in um, and the individual coaching comes in. Yeah. At what point in, the, in their stage in the company do you allow them to start to go off course and, and do their own thing? That's a good question. Um, and as we're growing so rapidly here at Ops Genie, uh, this is something that I'm seeing starting to emerge a little quicker than I have in the past. These guys are so motivated to come in here, do a good job, work hard, that they're really dedicating themselves to the training. They're really trying to improve on their own. So I would say within three months, you know, I can start giving people um, some leeway to really find what they're good at and play to those strengths. Um, so I, th- I think that varies on a company to company basis though. Yeah. Okay. So about three months in your experience for now. About three months for this particular organization. Yeah. Okay. And how are you determining who to target uh, in your outcome? So we're really looking for keywords within the, either their LinkedIn profiles um, for us, it's around monitoring, IT, uh, always on, 24-7 services, cloud, things around, things around those, um, those particular key terms. Uh, and then, of course, looking at titles, doing, doing keyword search around titles with the IT department, 
system engineers, network engineers, IT directors, uh, and all, all the way up to maybe VP of IT, uh, CIOs, things like that. Um, so anybody that works in the IT department is really a sweet spot for us. And what, with the larger organizations, they'll actually have titles around um, incident response or um, you know, manager of uh, IT incidents or something like that. Yeah, make it really easy for you to target them. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> those ones are pretty good if we can get them on the hook. Yeah. Okay. So what is the ratio of uh, SDRs to account executives? Yeah, that's another good question too. So we actually have a really big SDR team as we're trying to build pipeline uh, and ramp up uh, companies that we can sell into. So right now, it's basically two SDRs to one account executive. Um, and in, my, in the past, I've actually seen that completely opposite. But because we're having such a, a focus on outbound, this is real, really where investing a lot of money is in our outbound strategy with the SDR team. Interesting. And this and two SDRs that are ramped up are able to keep, uh, keep an exa- account executive uh, busy. Well, the idea is to keep them busier than they should be you know, at this point. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So when you're looking to hire um, somebody for your SDR team, yep. what, what kind of skills are you looking for? Um, so I've hired, I've hired a lot of SDRs over the years and we're located right, right in downtown Boston with Opsgenie. So it's extremely competitive out here in terms of uh, getting SDRs, and, and I'm, I'm amazed that if I'm interviewing an SDR, he probably has three or four other opportunities on the table at any given time, uh, if they're any good, of course. Uh, so what I really look for, and I've changed this over the years as I've interviewed, I used to look for somebody that, you know, very charismatic and able to build relationships quickly, and I still think that's great, and I do, I do, do look for people with good personalities. They have to have a strong desire to get into sales because especially in the SDR position, it, it's such a roller coaster. You're going to have a couple of weeks where you're clicking, you're talking to people and things are going great. And then you're going to have other weeks where you're not talking to anybody. So are you able to kind of dedicate yourself to coming in, performing, doing what you need to do, even when things aren't going well? Um, so I look for somebody now that has a proven level of discipline. And this is something that that I've, I've recently kind of come up with as I'm working with our talent team here to describe, you know, what kind of candidates I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. So that, that shows up in a lot of different, a uh, lot of different shapes and forms because especially with SDRs, it's not like I can look at five years of SDR experience and then say, Oh, Hey, this guy's going to be good. He's hit his targets. I really have to find somebody that is either coming straight out of school or they've had another sales gig, like maybe you know I have, but you know maybe you have in the past as well. That wasn't that great, and they know they can do do better. They know they're working and not making what they should. Um, so, a lot of people with sports backgrounds, and I hesitate when I say that because I I, <laughs> I I really don't like that aggressive, you know, uh, willing to to rip down the doors to do you know step on whoever he needs to 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 get ahead. I like to have a nice team that works very well together, very collaborative. Um, and 
again, getting back to that honesty piece, I, I want people that are going to be honest and upfront and care, actually care about the individuals that we're talking to. So the sports background from a discipline level, you know, just coming in, those guys are used to sticking to a, a good schedule, balancing school, balancing sports and um, building good habits for the most part. It, it can also come through with people that maybe work their way through school. If they are waiters or hosts or um, maybe working at a call center, just kind of building up those reps of being in front of people. That's something I like to see. Um, or if they really did good academically and then they kind of dedicated themselves to that. Maybe they're part of uh, programs within their, within their school that, uh, they had to apply themselves to. So I really sum it up into, Hey, can you show me that you've had some type of accomplishments in, in your life where you had to apply yourself and, and show some discipline to get those things done? Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I've, out of all the people I've interviewed, I, I haven't heard people go into that kind of level where you, you're looking for, you know, if, if it's a new student, uh, or somebody that doesn't have the work history right. that has had these challenges before and, and actually pinpointing what those challenges would be. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things you also said was, uh, a desire to get into sales. Right. Because as you said, it could, it has its ups and it has its downs, but without actually ever experiencing that, somebody doesn't know what that actually means. Yes. That's uh, an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, we all kind of aspire to be certain things in life, right? And if you ask the the 13-year-old Eric, hey, did you want a career in sales and did you, did you want to run sales development teams? I'm not sure that's the first thing he would have said. And I think that's the, the case for most people. But, uh, you know, some people have parents that have been in sales, maybe been in tech sales or some other type of financial sales. Uh, and they say, hey, you know, I like that lifestyle that that brings. I like um, the skill, right? The skill to communicate with people. I think that's something uh, that I should really hone in on. And and this will benefit me in more ways than just my career. Um, so I, I do believe that people can get a sense of, hey, I, I want to be a sales guy at some point. Yeah. Interesting. Just like becoming a doctor or a lawyer. You know, you don't need to experience being a, a lawyer to say, hey, I want to get into that line of work. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have an idea of what it would be, yeah. what it would play out in your head. Yeah. And sometimes, okay. sometimes it doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it could work out even if they know what the, what the job is and it could still not work out. That's true. So yeah. It's a risk you always run. Yep. So when you've, when you're looking at somebody, do you prefer that person with experience or do you prefer that new person that has the desire? Okay. Yeah, that's another tough one. Because when I'm looking at somebody's resume, and let's say maybe they're an SDR at, at two other startups, and they were promised maybe promotions and, and growth slowed, so maybe that didn't happen. They've hit their quotas, and they've really um, applied themselves, know the job, know the tools, take good notes. On paper, that person, that, that individual looks looks fantastic. It's almost like a no-brainer. I should go with that person. Um, but you know, there's a few things that potentially could happen. They might be a little burnt out by their past experiences and say, not be given it that all as somebody might coming out of school. Uh, they might just be going through the motions and think, Hey, geez, I already should have been out of this, out of this group. I can't believe I got to, you know, apply myself and work as hard as I do every day. Um, so I, if, 
if I'm being honest with you, I would probably prefer the guy coming out of school with some of those characteristics that I was telling you about that's really looking for a shot and is going to take advice and do some self-study, learn the product, and really apply himself fully to, to this role. Absolutely. That makes really uh, a lot of sense. Cool. All right. So let's say you hire that person. How do you, how do you train them? What, what's your uh, training process look like? So we do two weeks of formal classroom style training with a lot of PowerPoints. Um, we'll have sales engineers come in, talk about technology, talk about the industry, talk about our products some use cases on where we fit. Um, and then I come in and I really think I've kind of honed this skill over the years because this is something that, you know, I was tasked to do way back when I was at uh, Unitrends is, is train a lot of people, hire them up. So I've just continued to, to hone that skill. So I'll come in, I'll do a lot of role plays around building rapport, sounding different than other people on the phone. Um, I'll give them, I'll give them a script but I really, and they can use my words. They're going to be half decent if they go out and use my words and stumble into some meetings. But once they understand kind of the concepts and start applying their own personality, that's when they're going to be good. So we'll do a lot of role plays on my end. And to be honest, that first two weeks is pretty intense. So they kind of walk out of there um, feeling like they drank from a fire hose a little bit. So then be, beyond that, it's a lot of listening to calls, listening to how they're delivering you know, the pitch on what option he does and how it might help their, help their company and doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching. So to kind of have that type of rapport with the team, right, where they're going to trust you and they don't feel like you're being too invasive, um, I, I do work on that as well to really make, sh make sure that these individuals feel like I'm here for their success and, you know, I want to see them do as, as good as they can. Okay, makes sense. Um, <clears throat> Did I answer your question? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, when you're, when you're doing the role playing, yep. uh, are you, are you recording that and having them listen to it or watch it? So that's something I've been thinking of and it's something I have done in the past because that is very effective with the role plays. What I'm currently doing is, um, kind of writing out the steps, the steps of the role play how, do, how, how good did we do building rapport? How good did we do setting expectations? Did we get, get a good pitch of what opportunity does, how it might help them? And did we have a real good conversation around, you know, what problems they're having, how long it's been going on, things of that nature, then a close and then some next steps, right? So that's the way I'll kind of break it down. We'll go around and we will we'll do that role play. And then after we do it, I'll ask them, you know, Hey, is there one thing you think you could have done a little better? And first I'll set the stage with the team. Like, Hey, this is very much a no judgment zone. We're all going to make mistakes. This is, this is for us to learn. Um, and then we'll offer some feedback on, Hey, maybe you should have brought up this feature or Hey, maybe you should ask this question here. Um, or when you kind of went on a little too long, I think you might've lost interest. So that's the, the, the dynamic that I'm set up now, but the recording, the, the role play, I think would be very beneficial too. Yeah. All right. And when you're given the feedback in these, uh, sessions, yeah. <laughs> this is always a tough one. Cause there's always, 
so much feedback to give. Yeah. Where do you draw the line in like saying, okay, like I've given enough and there's only so much somebody could, uh, could take in at once. So that that's very true. And that's something that sometimes is a little difficult to read. And, but it's important that we do give direct feedback on how people can help. And, it, and when you're sitting in a, a group setting, not only is it difficult to remember the material that we're role playing out, it's almost a public speaking experience too, which is very difficult for people. So I try to be aware of, you know, this is, this is a stressful situation. It's necessary to learn what we need to learn to be effective. Um, and I am known to be a little, a little direct with my feedback, but I'll say, Hey, listen, you know, you did a great job and this is difficult for anybody, but here, here are a few areas that you can improve. Um, but don't take that, don't take that feedback personally. And I'm sure, you know, next time we do it, we're going to, we're going to see a lot of better results. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So now we've got somebody hired, we've trained him. Yep. What kind of tools are you using uh, in a day-to-day -day operation besides outreach? Yep. So besides outreach, um, we're using discover.org. And that is largely where we are getting the companies that we're going to target. And the way the team is broken up, it's not, not ge geographically where it's account-based selling. So we'll assign each SDR 100, 200 accounts. And we've also broken the team up in SMB, mid-market, and enterprise companies. So when you first start, you're probably going to start in the SMB area. And we'll assign you a few hundred accounts. And you're going to use Discover.org to identify the right people. Beyond Discover.org, you are going to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Again, sales Nav there's my Boston accent coming out. Sales Navigator to uh, maybe identify some more people with the right titles, right skill set that we want to talk to. Um, and then we're going to load all those people up in outreach and begin our series of emails and phone calls. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you said you're doing uh, account-based marketing. Explain that a little bit more. So we're really taking it upon ourselves as a, a leadership team and an ops team to try and provide them with what we think would be good, a good fit of companies that they can sell into to kind of remove the, that element of the prospecting phase. Hey, is this a company that I might be able to sell into? Is it in the right vertical? Does it have the right amount of people? So we really feel like that's something that we can take on our end, provide them the company, and then it's up to them to find the right individuals within that company to speak with um, and, and then try to sell to. Interesting. And uh, how... Are you finding that you're going to have some challenges with that as it scales up? So we are uh, beginning to see some challenges with doing that as it scales in terms of there's so many subsidiaries of bigger companies that sometimes that's hard to, to, to vet out. Um, but we're still in a good place now where, where it's working for us. Will we eventually maybe go to an east-west, uh, and I'm talking North America, um, break up to give them some fences to work within sure maybe um or maybe four quadrants but that's the that's the beauty of being in a startup we can kind of change it as we go but that's the strategy we've been working with yeah how many how many sdr guys do you guys have now right now i have 29 
29 wow. and it's myself, another manager, and I have a couple team leads and I'm actually gearing up to, to bring on board another 12, um, in the next couple of months. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. Good. All right. So once, once, uh, one of the SDR guys has reached out to somebody, has somebody interested, how is the handoff, uh, taken care of? Okay. So once they find somebody that has a few problems that we're able to help them with, and they're interested to learn more in Oops Genie, uh, the SDR is going to take as many notes as they can, be as thorough as they can uh, during that phone call. And then we're going to make a suggestion to them that, hey, I'd like you to spend maybe 20 minutes with one of our account executives. You can really dive a little bit deeper into the technology, how we're able to help your company, maybe some ballpark pricing, see if we might be a fit. We get the buy-in for that. We send off a calendar invite. Um, and then we'll walk, you know, at the end, we'll say, hey, is there anything that might come up? Between now and that next call, if there is, feel free to reach out. We can reschedule, try to reduce uh, people not showing a little bit. Once the calendar invite sent out, that shows up on the account executive's calendar, also on the prospect's calendar and the SDR's calendar. Um, and then we you know, do a few few moves in our CRM. The AE will see that. They might ask the SDR a little bit of background for the call. I think that that's good for both the SDR and the, and the AE. And then uh, hopefully they show up. If a lead gets handed over to an AE uh, and the AE finds that it's not ripe or it's not ready, what do they do? Do they just send it back to SDR or how does that work? So depending on the situation, the AE may continue to work that to work that particular individual if it's something to do with timing and maybe the timing isn't, isn't right. Um, but by and large, if it's if either the individual doesn't show or it's so far out, it doesn't make sense for the AE to continue reaching out, they will communicate back to the SDR. Hey, I had that call. You know, I appreciate you setting that up. It just seems like either the timing isn't right or financially it doesn't make sense for that company. So I'm going to have to reject that call. And, you know, that's something that you can continue to follow up on. Hmm. Okay. So let's take a, take a different lead. You, you, Started talking about uh, before that you're hiring another 12 or so uh, more SDR team. Yep. So what are some of the uh, biggest problems that you could see that are going to arise from scaling that many more people at once? The biggest problem is really the continuing to keep the team dynamic. Right now we have a really good team that works really well with each other. Um, and they've formed good relationships where if somebody has a question with a team this size, they, they need to be able to rely on the person next to them to help them, uh, whether it's a, a question they don't quite know how to answer or getting through to an individual, sharing some ideas around messaging is important. Um, so I need to be very careful to hire the right individuals that are going to kind of fit into uh, what we have going on, fit into the culture, add to the culture, uh, because the, the biggest fear of mine is is one or two people that are a little negative, and you know that type of attitude can really throw off uh, throw off the team a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. How are you building that team dynamic or that culture? So we do a lot around company outings, um, 
every Friday we have a pretty cool event. We call it darts and, um, I'll award a dart to the, maybe the highest performing SDR that week, the sales team, the closers will come over. They'll award a dart to, uh, potentially somebody that closed a big deal or that's been working hard. Uh, marketing actually will come over, present, uh, a little bit about what they're working on and they might have a dart. So what they do with these darts is they'll, they'll throw them at a board with some, has balloons on there and you pop a balloon if you hit it so it's actually pretty pretty bad when somebody misses the balloon and they kind of wasted their shot um, but there'll be a number underneath that balloon and then from that we'll give prizes so the company really invests in in doing fun things like that to bring us together um as we're growing we're, we're split across three offices right now so the whole company will come come into this one particular office where the sdrs are located um, so you can see the executive presence and you can bring everybody together. We'll also cater the lunch and people can eat and, and talk and, and do a little fun prize game like that. So, um, beyond that, we also have the open, open office concept where I'm sitting right on the floor with everybody. My manager, uh, Kyle, he's also on the floor with everybody. The team leads are in the same. Our CFO sits right next to me. Um, so we really try to be open. We try to get along with each other. We don't have to try it. We, we do get along with each other. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so we, we really want to continue to foster that. But as, as we're feeling right now, we've already grown so quickly. We've had to move into some temporary space and we're actually moving into a much larger office next month. Um, that's going to bring us all together. We're really excited about that. So uh, growing pains that we're working through, but, Doing those types of things I've really found to be something that's part of Opsgenie's culture and something we're going to continue to do to keep the team bonded and working well together. Well, I think it's, it's really interesting that you bring all the, all the management from all the different departments to, to show that the SDR, like, okay, here's how you're affecting other teams. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not just sales and it's not just money for the company. Okay. You're actually like having a direct involvement and. I think it really uh, gets everybody involved in what they're doing and feeling like they're part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've made as a sales leader? And what did you learn? Wow, that's a tough question. Um, going back to the hiring, the hiring, and maybe as, a, as I'm talking through this, I'll have another example come to mind. Um, there have been a few times as, as you scale this quickly and you know, I'm hiring a lot of people within just the six months that I've been at this one particular organization, once in a while, you'll hire somebody that wasn't the, wasn't the best fit. And, um, it's difficult in an interview setting. People can really turn it on for an interview, just like a, just like doing a sales call. People can really turn it on during that time. Um, so if you do a one in one time interview where it is so competitive out here, it's, it's very tempting, especially if people have good experience, hire them on the spot. you you connect with them very well and you hire them. And then you know what they show up and Hey, this isn't really, um, the experience that they want to be a part of and they don't give it their all. And, and people notice that maybe they call it a few times and people start saying, well, Hey, if he's doing that, you know, why can't I? So, I have made that mistake a few times and I'm not sure how preventable it is, but what I'm doing now is I, I will not hire somebody on one interview. It's going to take at least two 
uh, if not three. And sometimes I just meet them outside the coffee, uh, sorry, outside of the office to have maybe a coffee or um, or lunch to get them kind of know them on a personal level a little bit more before I'm willing to, to invest in that individual. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things that I, what I heard is, is that you guys are, or you're used to anyways, higher on the first, uh, first interview. It's, it's very tempting um, because especially if we're working with recruiters, they'll give us some, some background on other offers that they have. And I've actually lost people that way too. I've had some great conversations with individuals and um, they interview at another company the next day and they get hired on the spot. So uh, it's, it, it, it takes some effort to not kind of fall into that, especially when they come in and they, they give a really good job. They do a, a really good job. Um, so that's, that's something that myself as the director here, I, I try to really meet multiple times before we're, we're going to give somebody an offer. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you find that a lot of people are, are only looking for the dollar or do you find that most people are looking for a home, uh, a family? That's a good question. And a lot of times people do come in and they say, Hey, I want to be part of a company that I can be at for five or 10 years. But as we both know in the tech industry, five to 10 years is, is like 30 to 50 years, you know, 10 years ago, these companies grow, evolve, change, get bought, go public, whatever happens. These, uh, especially fast growing startups, life changes so quick. Um, what, what I think, what I'd like people to say is I'm looking for a career in sales. I want to, I want to be part of an organization that I can apply myself, be part of something. And I know if I work hard, I'm going to get promoted and I'm going to have a background that then can propel me to, to either work in other organizations or continue on with Ops Genie. This, that would be great. Um, but really a strong desire to look, look, get into sales and appreciating the craft is what I like them to say. The people really say, to me, you know, I only want the money. I hear that kind of rarely. Um, so I guess that's my answer as, as convoluted as it is. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, pretty bad if somebody comes forward and straight, straightly says, Hey, I am only here for the money. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that would be a big red flag anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are, you know, we just talked about your biggest mistakes. What about your biggest accomplishments? Um, I always have a huge sense of accomplishment. I'd, I'd say one of my best uh, accomplishments has, has recently happened. Um, I hired about 19 people the last couple of months. And right out of the gate, these guys are, are so motivated. Um, I like to think trained up very well that they're booking meetings first week on the phones. And I consider that, so I'll do that two week of formal classroom style training and then the third week is really considered training. They're just hitting the phone and going through the reps and making the calls, learning how to enter notes in the CRM. We got people booking meetings, you know, sometimes first day, second day, right in that, right in that first week. And everybody had booked a meeting within two weeks. So I really uh, get a sense of pride from that. And, I, and I'm proud of, you know, these individuals, the, the effort that they're putting in and the results that we're seeing right off the bat. Great. Congratulations. Thanks. That's a good training program. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 
Great. Eric, um, is there a way for people to, to reach out to you if they wanted to get a hold of you? Yeah, that, that'd be great. I mean, if people want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, search for Eric Nando at Opsgini. You can also send me an email at eric at Um I'd love to connect with anybody that's that's interested in this this part of the business. And I, I like to think I have some good experience, can offer a few, few tips and tricks, um, and always interested in meeting new people. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. To contact Adam about consulting services or speaking engagements, visit StartupSalesPodcast.com or email StartupSalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, Eric, let's, uh, let's end things off with uh, five final questions. Okay, sounds good. What is your favorite sales or leadership book? I'm a big fan of uh, David Sandler's You Cannot Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar. Uh, some people might, might consider it to be a little bit old at this point, but there is a really thorough body of work in that book uh, that I think a lot of people can benefit from. Is that a leadership book or more of a sales? Uh, that's a sales, sales tactic uh, book, and it really gives a nice breakdown of uh, building some rapport, setting expectations, identifying pain points, how do you ask good questions, good open-ended questions around those pain points. And, um, you know, it almost gets people to sell themselves a little bit. That's what I like about it. It's a little counterintuitive. So it's a good book on, good book on sales. Very good. Do you have someone that you follow or read for sales or leadership advice? Um, so I'm more of a, a self-development junkie a little bit. And there is somebody, not necessarily sales-focused, but more of just an overall, how do you optimize yourself as an individual? And actually, his, his website is called optimize.me. And his name is Brian Johnson. But he considers himself a philosopher. He's read all of the self-development books out there. I, sh- I shouldn't say all of them, but he's read hundreds of self-development books. And then he, he distills them down into a 20-minute PDF or audio file. So you can kind of get the big ideas out of each one of those. So that's somebody that I listen to quite frequently. Interesting. Is it a pay subscription? So there's, there's definitely free material that he puts out there, um, which is like a daily inspirational email um that has a little video it's it might give you a two minute blurb on a on a cool topic um but yeah there is a paid version that's about 10 bucks a month but it's the best 10 bucks a month that i i spend lovely all right are you available 24 7 or do you have uh strict personal time boundaries that's a good question i do i do work long days um however i think it's important to work hard and it's also important to have have your time to kind of disconnect and rest and rejuvenate um and i do have a family that i like to spend time with them so i think there's a strong balance that you have to have there yeah very much so at at dinner time is your phone off my phone i i try and this is something brian johnson talks about to have um deep connections with people you should definitely put the technology away so it's something that i try but it's it's a habit that i that i struggle with (laughs) <laughs> I think everybody uh, struggles with that I'm one. I'm sure, yeah. Right. What is your favorite tool used for sales? Um, this outreach tool is pretty cool, but I would have to say Hoopla. And Hoopla is a game, gamification 
tool that links up with your CRM. And if somebody, well, first of all, it'll show how many dials people have, who's at the top of the leaderboard with dials. If somebody books a meeting, their name will flash across the screen and uh, they might hit a gong and we'll say, you know, hey, good job, David, for booking this individual at this company. Um, and if a deal closes, especially being in separate offices, uh, it might do something like a basketball goes through a net and then it says, Adam just closed a $50,000 deal so everybody can see exactly what's happening within the company uh, at any given time through that tool. So I think that's really cool. Nice. Keeps a good vibe in the office. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, what one piece of advice do you have for all the uh, founders and the, the VP sales out there? Wow. Um, I probably need to ask them for some advice. But if I was to, to give a little bit of advice, let's see. I would just say, you know, constantly keep improving. Even as, as much as, I, as I've learned, there's, there's always a vast body of work out there that I'm introduced to that kind of amaze, amazes me. And I'm somebody that seeks out some new information all the time. So when I say that, you don't have to consume yourself. Uh, you're, you don't have to consume yourself with looking for new, new information, but just 10 minutes a day, you know, either listening to a podcast like this or um, listening to an audio book. I do a lot of audio books in the train, continue to, uh, to, to learn new information and, and different ways of doing things. Excellent. So constantly improve. Yeah. Eric, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Thank you very much, Adam. This has been great.